0: The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. All right, so what are you looking forward to? Now, seriously, I want you to take a moment. I want you to think about what am I really excited about? What am I really looking forward to that's coming up Maybe even take a moment. If you're joining us online, you can just write like what that is in the comment section. Keep it brief. Um, if you're if you're you're in the room, I want you to lean over to somebody like, "Here's what I'm looking forward to." I, you can do it real quick. What are you looking forward to? Hopefully, you have something that you're looking forward to. Go ahead, you're allowed. Get you whisper in church. I mean, Spencer's got you laughing and cracking up. I can get you to whisper at least. All right, so what is that that you're looking forward to? Some of you, you've been training for a long time for a race that's coming up. Or maybe you're in sports and you've been playing all season and you're coming up on the championships, you're getting ready to go into a travel team, and man, like you're looking forward to that. Others of you, you got graduation coming up here at any minute, any day. Um, parents are looking forward to that. You've worked really hard to get them there. You know, you're know, you uh, getting ready to graduate from high school or college, and man, that's worth celebrating. Some of you, maybe you got a wedding or an engagement. That's awesome. We're super excited. Maybe, maybe a birth. Maybe you're getting ready to have a little one. We're excited for you. I don't know. Maybe you're getting ready. Maybe there's a promotion or a, maybe getting ready to buy your first house. I don't know. It's going to be awesome. But maybe, hey, it's almost summer. It feels like crazy summer out there. So maybe you got a trip to the beach or maybe you're go on vacation. And, and you're looking forward to that? All right, uh, what did it cost you? How much did you have to sacrifice? How much will you have to sacrifice to get to what you're looking forward to? Think about that real quick. I mean, so you're getting ready to graduate from college and you've had a lot of all-nighters, probably goofed off way more than you should have. But many of you, I mean, you worked hard to get to graduation. And so the key question is this, is it worth it? Is what it cost you and what you had to sacrifice worth what you're looking forward to? Now, if it is a trip to the beach, it really doesn't matter what it costs, right? It's worth it. Um, I mean, if it's a graduation, here's how you're measuring it. Is how much did I have to put in worth the experience I had and the satisfying career I'm going to get? or the income I'm gonna earn, right? Like we're measuring those things, like is it worth it? Is all of the work worth the payoff? You know what that's called? A cost-benefit analysis. Now some of you are in, you're in some type of an industry where you do that, like you have to actually do that, like you have spreadsheets that you outline all of the costs and then here's what we're gonna get as a return on our investment and so you do this cost-benefit analysis thing. Right, okay, so what you're doing is you're analyzing is you're, you're listing all of the expenses, all of the costs, all of the things that I have to put in, sacrifice, right? versus what we get out of it. And that, what you get out of it is called your return on investment, your ROI. Now remember that, because I'm gonna use that term throughout this message, all right, your return on investment. And then you ask the question, is it worth it? Is it a, does it have a good ROI? So there are people who will work endless hours to start a new business. Trust me, if somebody's running a business here, they've worked for it. It doesn't come cheap. They've, I mean, they've worked two to three full-time jobs to get that business off the ground. And if they're successful at it, trust me, they earned it. They put in endless hours to get there. Why? Because whatever their business is, there's either a hope of some financial return on investment, or maybe they love the idea of being able to work for themselves, or maybe it's just... Um, they're philanthropic and they love the idea of earning to give it away or maybe it's a nonprofit business and they love kind of the service that they're able to provide, right? Like there's some return on investment. And so the key question for you is, is what you're looking forward to worth what it costs and what you have to sacrifice to get there? And interestingly, Jesus used this idea of a cost-benefit analysis to show you the ROI of heaven to show you that it's worth it. So Jesus, as he was approaching the, his death, he was approaching the cross, he predicted that he was gonna be put to death. And as he was approaching it, um, his teaching shifted. He started talking a lot about death and the end times and judgment and what comes after death. And, and in that teaching, he shared stories about Heaven. And they would, they would start with something like this, Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. And then he would tell a story about the kingdom of heaven. Now, let me be very clear with you. The kingdom of heaven is not just some faraway place. It begins in you. Jesus, when he's teaching about the kingdom of heaven, he'd always say, like, the kingdom of heaven is like a seed in us. So the kingdom of God begins to grow before we even get to heaven. And then he would explain what the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, the challenge for you and I is we're very much like the followers of Jesus and the crowd that would hear Jesus speak because Jesus had to explain it because we have a wrong view of it. So I'm going to invite you to join in my imagination of what heaven is like from my world, how I grew up. Now, it's not like my parents told me this. It's that you and I grew up seeing pictures of heaven. So we're gonna throw it up on the screen, right? Like the the most famous ones like literally the Sistine Chapel. Which I mean if it's in a if it's in the Vatican of the Sistine Chapel, it's got to be right. I mean, right? And so the Sistine Chapel, right, here here's our picture of heaven. Little fat cherubs (laughs) with hardly any clothes on. Floating around awkwardly. And everybody's wearing white flowing robes. That's weird. Some of them have halos. Some don't. Some are lounging on clouds. But no one's doing anything cool. Like half of them are sitting around Indian style, the throne of God. Was he telling a bedtime story? It's weird. And there's like elevator music in the background. And off somewhere in the distance, you can hear a choir singing a hymn. Like, no offense to hymns, right? Like, I grew up singing hymns, love hymns. But like, if that's heaven, I got jipped. I'm gonna say it right to God. Now, I'll probably get struck dead. I don't know where I'll go then. I don't even have theology for that. But I know that when I get there, If I'm just a fat little cherub floating around with a harp and little tiny wings, I'm gonna be mad. I'm like, God, that's not right. Come on. You know why I'm telling you that? Because I want to talk about ROI. Because that ain't worth it. And you know it. No, you know what we would rather do? We'd rather just stay here. Because it's familiar. And it's at least more fun than that. Like, I have a bucket list of all the things I'd love to see, places I'd love to do, places I'd love to go, and things I'd love to accomplish. And if you gave me eternity here, man, I guarantee you, I could do a whole bunch of those things. And if I had eternity, like, I wouldn't care about all the rest of it, right? Like, just focus on all the cool stuff. Uh, There's this uh, reel that a lot of different people share uh, on social media, and it, it has in the background the lyrics of a song. Oh Lord, when I die, I wanna live on the outskirts of heaven. And then it's a, it's a country twangy song, and so it says where there's dirt roads for miles, there's hay in the fields, and there's uh, fish in the, in the river. And it kind of like unpacks this idea of like, when I die, I wanna go to a place that's just a little different than the Sistine Chapel picture. I mean, I want it it a little bit different. I want to live out in the country. I want mountains. I mean, I don't know, some of y'all, I mean, this is Washington County, so we got a little bit of cosmopolitan, urban, metropolitan, and we got a little bit of country. All right, so like some of y'all, when you think of heaven, it it isn't cherubs and harps and choir voices and elevator music. It's something different. And so I don't want you to picture what your version of heaven will be. I want you to get a picture of real heaven, Jesus tells this story earlier in his teaching. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Interestingly, as Jesus is teaching, Matthew records that he uses the phrase the kingdom of heaven 33 different times, always to give us an ROI of heaven. And his point is it's gonna be worth it. He says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. A man's out there working in the field and he, bam, bam. When a man found it, he hid it again. He didn't want anybody to know it was there. Then in his joy, he went, sold all he had, and he bought that field. Want to know why? Because what he found in the field, that's treasure, had an immeasurable value that it was worth anything and everything he could give up to gain. And I want to plant that seed in your heart today. My hope is to plant a little bit of an understanding of the ROI of the kingdom of heaven, that your best is yet to come. Let me say it again. Your best is yet to come. You're joining us online. Your best is yet to come. You're not living your best life. On this earth, You will never live your best life. Your best life is yet to come. My kids, my little boys, they still have a childlike giddiness about Christmas Eve or on Christmas Eve, right? My girls know that they're gonna get underwear and socks. (laughs) So it's like less excitement, right? They're like, they're gonna get what they asked for. They already know what's coming, right? whatever they already went with mommy and bought at the store. But the boys, like, you know what they think they're gonna get? Like a real live dinosaur. (laughs) They think that under the tree, I wrapped up a raptor. So when they go to bed on Christmas Eve, they're like, I'm gonna get blue from Jurassic World. Like he's there waiting for me. Like, I'm gonna get up in the morning, I'm gonna run downstairs, I'm gonna, there it's gonna be, I'm gonna unwrap it, it's gonna eat me. It's gonna be the greatest moment of my life, the last moment of my life, but it's gonna be the greatest moment of my life. By the way, we have a series coming up, a couple series from now called Watchlist, we're gonna be covering that movie, it's gonna be pretty cool. Uh, Anyway, so they want a dinosaur, right? And so they go to bed, like, with this childlike giddiness. When did you lose your childlike giddiness for heaven? Because you and I, you know, we, we think about heaven. And I'm, I'm just gonna be honest with you, right? We have a really low ROI. Not just little cherubs and clouds and harps and, you know, elevator music. No offense, if you're somebody who, you create elevator music, man, I'm not trying to pick on you. Say it's possible that they're here. Um, okay, but you know what? Heaven. Let, let's talk about really what heaven, what we think of heaven, right? Like, what is it? Well, here, here's what I, I know of heaven. I know heaven, God's there. And here's the thing, the challenge that you and I have with the picture of God. We think of God like he's sitting on a throne with this long beard and a big booming voice and it's like intimidating and we kind of just wanna keep our distance from him. Not really sure I actually wanna get too close to God. And I know that when I get to heaven, there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, right? But if you're honest, like, What we really think about heaven is not just that there's no more tears, it's that there's no more sensation or emotion at all. I mean, have you ever seen anybody with a picture of heaven where there was somebody laughing till they cried? Right, because we have this weird view of heaven and it's just like emotionless. Like we're gonna be a bunch of like weird angelic zombies. And I love those moments. I had one literally last night. We were two nights ago. We were watching, starting a movie, and there was this. And I have like just a little bit of a sick sense of humor. There was this. Nobody else in my family thought it was funny, and I was laughing so hard that I literally had tears running down my face, and I could not keep my. Like literally, we just like stopped the movie. I have to laugh. Like I'm the guy. I'll rewatch that clip over and over and over. Like it was, and I know you all wonder what it was. You don't even want to know. I thought it was funny. But heaven, oh, you don't get any of that. No, you know what? Heaven's no more pain. But if there's no more pain, you know There's probably also not, probably no more pleasure, probably no more passion. No, the people who are all into pleasure and passion, you know where they went. Nope, God forbid there's any of that in heaven, right? So no, like we have this picture of heaven that it's just like this stoic, boring, dry place that the only reason why we want to go there is because it's the alternative to hell, so Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hurried up and he hid it again. He's like, I don't want anybody else to find this because it's mine. You know what he was driving at? You know Jesus was getting at with that teaching? I mean, literally, it's a two-sentence teaching to give you a principle on the promise of heaven. And his principle he said there's a really, really big ROI. If you did a cost-benefit analysis and you gave up your entire life, you would be giddy when you got there. So it's like it's like a treasure that a man found when he was working and it's in the field. You know his point is? Jesus saying he's inviting you to live in expectation of an eternal treasure. Live with childlike wonder at the excitement and the anticipation of this eternal treasure that is worth giving everything in this life for. If you could give your whole life for it, you would have gained a billion times whatever you gave up. Now, you could actually mathematically prove that, right? It would be worth more than a billion times because if you give up this life and you gain eternity, by definition... It goes forever, no matter how long you live in this life, you got it back in an infinite, exponentially infinite amount. So you could even give up your own physical life and it would be worth it. Times infinity. So Jesus is trying to capture this idea of an eternal treasure so that you begin to live your life with expectation of the reward. So he he kinda lays out heaven. So what I did was I did a quick uh, analysis of the descriptors of heaven as written out in the Bible and I put it all together and I just kinda, now this is not exhaustive, okay? But it's just a really quick flyover. Like if you got a glimpse of heaven, what would you see? The way it's described by Jesus, by other biblical authors, is this. First, it is an everlasting, eternal home for God and his family, those that love him. He's like, when we get to heaven, he's gonna say, Welcome home. But not only is it just a, 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 a create not only is it a home for God and his family, but he he prepared it. Like meaning God designed heaven for us. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, which means he's been creating heaven. It's, it's a place filled with the creative wonder of God. Now, we know that God created the cosmos, this entire universe, and it took him what? Like six days. Now, you ever create, any of you are artists? You've spent time creating something? What could you pull off in six days? And you can make some pretty good art, you could, you could carve something pretty cool. You could, if you were working on a custom car, you could do some good work. But I mean, not, you can't do like, you know, life work. You can't make your magnum opus in six days. God, you know what this is? This is like God's one week project. He's like, let me show you what I can do in a week. You wanna know why? Cause you have, you know, you have to look forward to what I can create in a few thousand years. Like heaven is eternally creative. It's paradise. Now, come on. Think about paradise for you. I don't know, maybe you're looking forward to a cruise. Maybe you wish you could go on a cruise. So for you, paradise is like an island. Maybe it's Alaska. Maybe it's mountains. I don't know what your paradise is, but I promise you, when you get to heaven, your jaw is gonna drop at the wide-eyed wonder of the paradise of heaven. It's filled with fruit trees that never run out of fruit. It's got rivers that look like they're crystal clear and a sea made of crystal and diamonds. Like you can see all the way down. That's the words that they use to describe heaven. All right, I better keep going with my, my definition here. It, he says it's a new heaven and a new earth to replace the old and corrupted heaven and earth that we experience, meaning the best of this is just a little foretaste of heaven. There'll be a whole new heaven and a whole new earth. And in it, it's gonna be not only paradise, but it's gonna be um, a government reign of peace because God will rule. And God's not ruling as a tyrant. God's not being voted in. God's not up for re-election, so there's not gonna be any more politicking. (sighs) That right there just feels like heaven. (sighs) No more ads. No more arguments, no more partisanship, just heaven. Peace, a reign of peace because God will be protecting his own. God's looking out for you. He's keeping you from evil and abuse and hurt and hate and violence and division and disunity. So heaven is that place of unity and hope and goodness and healing and restoration and all things right and good. In the center says there's a gleaming city so, if you want the urban life, oh, it's available to you. If you want to go visit downtown, you can go check it out. And when you show up, you're going to walk in. There's this gleaming city. And the way that Jesus, the way that authors describe the city, is they use the best stuff of earth to show us the common stuff of that city. Let me, let me illustrate for you, right? Like, what's really valuable on earth? Gold. You know what gold's like in heaven? It's like asphalt. Now, do you really think when we get to heaven, like streets will be paved with gold? Or is it helping us to understand that the most precious, valuable things on earth are the equivalent of asphalt in heaven? Do you know what doorknobs in heaven are made of? Diamonds. Doors? Well, we make doors out of metal, wood. You know what they're made out of? Full-size pearls. And y'all never seen a pearl that big. Like the entire gates of this city, just one big pearl. What, is it gonna be a pearl? I don't know. Are the gates of heaven really pearly gates? I don't know. What I do know is he's trying to get you to understand that if you have a pearl necklace, you know what you really got? Like wood. Like it's not that big of a deal in heaven. You're gonna get there and you're gonna be like, Asphalt, that's the point. You know what what they use for bricks in heaven? Like rubies and emeralds, all the gems. It says that the foundations of the city are made with gemstones. Like the equivalent of rubies and emeralds, all that in heaven is like concrete. Like it's not that big of a deal there. You you get it, right? And, And where is God? So I said, we have this picture of God, like, I don't know, keep your distance. The way that you you get a picture of God is think about a moment where you had an encounter with God. And I promise you in that moment, there was something healing that happened. You felt peace for the very first time. In the midst of the storms and the turmoil, there's this blanket of peace that washed over you. Maybe there was comfort. Maybe you were walking through a deeply grievous season and God just comforted your soul. Maybe you were in a moment, we were singing, we were celebrating and you had joy for the very first time, hope for the first time. That experience with God, but for eternity, where God's presence is like a blanket warming your soul. God is the light of heaven. There's no need for a light in heaven because there's, the darkness is pierced by the light of God's glory and his presence. Not something you want to escape from, but something that you're not even sure whether to like start jumping up and down like my kids if I actually got them a raptor. Like, are you kidding me? Or you don't know if you wanna just fall down on your knees in awestruck wonder. God, God, your glory. Like you and I, we love those moments. You're not terrified. Those aren't bad moments. You know what a little glimpse of that is? I remember hiking the Grand Canyon. You walk up to the Grand Canyon. And I'm a little scared of heights, but I have this weird tension where like I can't help it. I think I might plummet to my death, but like I've got to get close to this awesome scene that is nothing more than a little taste, a little glimpse, of heaven, And that's what I want to stick in your heart. Listen to me carefully. The very best of earth is a tiny taste of the feast of heaven. The best you can picture, the best you can experience, the best you can imagine on earth is one tiny little bite of the buffet of heaven. I hope that gets inside of you. There is nothing you will ever experience on earth that will ever be better than heaven. What's better is coming, the best is yet to come. So, how do you live? You live this life with an expectation. That the best is yet to come. You live in expectation of an eternal reward. And so now it shifts your thinking. You recognize, wait, wait, wait. Jesus said that the man sold everything in order to buy the field, just to buy the place where the treasure is. And it's not that you're trying to work for it. It's not that you're trying to earn it. It's this idea that you would give everything up to gain it. But what do you give up? You and I can't give anything for eternity. God gave everything for us. We don't deserve it. We don't earn it. We don't work for it. In fact, you and I, we, were, we had a one-way ticket to the other place. So Jesus intervened. Jesus stepped from heaven to earth in order to give us the kingdom of heaven. He took on our sin judgment, right? Sin is what separates us from relationship with God and sen- sentences us to an eternity far from God. So Jesus intervened in our story to rescue us from eternal ruin, to give us the promise of an eternal a kingdom of heaven and relationship with him. So when you come in a relationship with Jesus, it's the kingdom of heaven in you. Paradise planted in your heart. If you are far from God, I promise you God is not far from you. He's been pursuing you and he wants to plant his kingdom in you because as God's kingdom grows in you, you begin to live in an expectation of that eternal treasure and then it shifts how you live today. How do you live differently when you begin to think about heaven the way it was meant to be imagined? Well, the story goes like this. The man... It says this, when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. What's the point? This life is an investment when your best is yet to come. When you know that your best life is not in this life on earth, you live this life as an investment for the life to come. Again, does that mean you're trying to earn it? No. It means you change how you live when you know that it's coming. This man knew that if he sold everything he had and he bought that field, he would get the treasure. He lived differently in anticipation of the treasure Everything he gave up was an investment in what was to come. Every dollar he, he, he had to spend to buy the land, he knew that he would get it back a billion times over. Oh, oh, oh. Hold up. Here's what I know about heaven you don't get to bring anything with you. And why would you? I mean, why would you want to bring asphalt to heaven? Why would you want to bring a doorknob? to heaven, regardless of how big that doorknob is. Kind of weird. Some of y'all wearing doorknobs on your finger. I know, I got my wife one for our 20th wedding anniversary a couple years ago and in heaven it's doorknob. It's gonna be awkward walking around with it anyway. Here's the point. You don't get to bring anything with you, you send it ahead. Everything you get, you can only give it in order to gain it. Right? Like it's what you give away here that is stored up in eternity. And it's not stored up the way we store it up, it's transformed into an eternal reward. It's an investment. So some of you right now, you start, you should start doing the cost-benefit analysis and say, wait a second, Patrick, you're saying that if I'm generous to the church and to God and to eternity, it, it's morphed into something that has a billion times over return on investment. Yeah if you give your life on earth billion times over and beyond in eternity, you sacrifice to serve others, you get it back in eternity. You suffer and endure persecution for the sake of God in this life, oh, you're never, you're never, gonna, you're never gonna get gypped. You're, I promise you when you get to heaven, you are not gonna go, God, you've gotta be kidding me. This is, I'm getting chipped. I promise you. So you need to flush that out of your heart. Flush that out of your thinking. If you're doing, if you're looking for the ROI, you're gonna get a great return on investment beyond your wildest imagination. And so I wanna invite you into a new way of living where you begin to live with eternity in mind. You begin to live in light of the kingdom of heaven. You begin to live your life as an investment for the best that's yet to come. I have one of my favorite quotes. I have two all-time favorite quotes. I'm gonna give you one of them. Uh, This one is, um, let me read it to you. I wanna stand before God sweaty, tired, and broke because I invested my life and resources in the kingdom of God and for the benefit of others. You ever meet just, there's those people that you meet and they so believe in heaven that they captivate you They so believe in God that the way they live is just different from everyone else. And you're like, I I want what they have. What they have is what they're looking ahead to. It's a faith in eternity. My hope is that I, I give you that kind of a life example, that no matter what you gain in this life, it's nothing compared to what you have in eternity. So let me give you a little picture. It's a picture that I keep in my brain. Imagine Your net worth. And I know for each one of you that's gonna be very different, all right? But it's your net worth, it's everything you have. If you emptied your 401k and all of your accounts, you sold your house, like what this guy did. You sold everything. You went to a hotel because you have a one night stay. And you hired an architect and you began to hire the best contractors, and you renovated, tore out anything that was cheap. I mean, you got the best bed, and the best sheets, and the best mattresses, and the best pillows. You got a, you got a gold toilet. And you renovated that hotel for a one night stay. How many of us are living like that? We're taking everything that we've acquired for this life which is so temporary, a one-night stay. And then we're gonna be gone. Now, you know what I'm gonna do? Forget the hotel stay. I'll sleep on a cot for one night. I'll sleep with a rock as a pillow for one night. In fact, some of you, that sounds like fun, right? Like, let's go, let's go backpacking. I'll do anything for a night. If after that, eternal paradise, stop, investing your life in a one-night stay in a hotel. Give your life to what matters forever. And you know how you respond. This should not feel like a burden. Like, I don't have to sell you on this. You know what the guy did? It's Jesus says this. Then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought the field. Why? Because he knew what was coming. You can't take my life. I give it. You don't have to ask me for my finances. I give it. You don't have to tell me to suffer. I'll give it, God, because I know that there's nothing you're taking. Everything you ask of me, you will give infinitely more than I could ever think or imagine. You're not getting chipped, you're not getting cheated. You're not getting ripped off. God knows the cost-benefit analysis of eternity. And trust me, we're the ones missing out. Every time our act of selfishness keeps us from investing in eternity, we're cheating ourselves. You got the inside scoop on eternity. And the return on investment is invaluably high. Infinitely more than you can imagine. And so what I was hoping to do was in every one of your hearts, plant a little seed, a little seed of a wild imagination of the kingdom of heaven so that you begin to shape your life differently around living for the kingdom of heaven rather than living for yourself. Getting, taking hold of Jesus alone so that there is nothing that you'll ever give up in this life that will compare with the life to come. So what is that for you? I promise you there's a moment Right now, there's a decision to make. For some of you, that decision is to say yes to Jesus. To actually give up your sin in exchange for forgiveness. Give up your guilt and shame for the wholeness that comes from heaven. For others of you, it's shifting your priorities to put your priority on eternity. Can I pray over you? Jesus, what I'm asking in this room, those joining us online, is that you would grip us with eternity. Tattoo eternity on our eyes. So when we open our eyes, what we see is eternity. Imprint in our hearts the priority of the kingdom of heaven. God, loosen our grip, the stuff of earth and grip us with the promise of paradise what we want is you jesus and you alone In jesus name Amen. thank you for listening to audio from lifehouse church we believe that through christ life change happens here so we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org